Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Je suis venu vous parler d'Europe. Das ist ein guter Tag für Deutschland. Und es ist ein guter Tag für Europa. Brexit means Brexit. Du lytter til Parlamentet. Altingens podcast om Europa. Sponsoreret af 3F. This is the single most resilient and bravest person I have ever met in my life. Thank you. And when you vote next week, you are not just voting for who the President of the United States of America is, vital though that question may be. You are voting for the leader of the free world. Fire år. Det er fire år siden, at britterne stemte nej til den europæiske union. Og det er fire år siden, at Donald Trump blev valgt som USA's præsident. Nu går amerikanerne til valg igen. Og forleden dag var Nigel igen til valgmøde med sin ven Donald i Arizona. Ach ja. Nigel Farage og Donald Trump. Hvem skulle have troet, at ligneragtigt de to skulle komme til at betyde så meget for Europas og Amerikas politiske skæbne. Forholdet mellem de to mænd siger meget om det politiske og psykologiske bånd, der er mellem de amerikanske Trumpister og mange populister her i Europa. Hvis du ønsker at bryde EU op indefra, ja, så er Trump din ven. Fire år er gået. Fire år med en amerikansk præsident, der som ingen anden præsident før ham har skilt ud på Europa. Han har ført handelskrig, og han har sået tvivl om NATO. Det kan godt være, at folk som Nigel Farage hæpper på Donald Trump. Men der er ingen tvivl om, at de europæiske regeringer sender en bønd til himlen for Joe Biden lige nu. Velkommen til Altingens europæiske podcast. Mit navn er Thomas Lauritsen. Parlamentet er sponsoreret af 3F, fordi Danmark fortjener færre journalistik om EU. Hvad nu, hvis Donald Trump på trods af alle meningsmålingerne alligevel bliver genvalgt? Kan det transatlantiske forhold overleve fire år mere med Trump? En præsident, der aldrig har lagt skjul på, hvad han mener om det europæiske samarbejde. Well, I think we have a lot of foes. I think the European Union is a foe, what they do to us in trade. Now, you wouldn't think of the European Union, but they're a foe. I Donald Trumps verden er EU en fjende af Amerika, og forsvarsalliancen NATO er noget gammelt lort, der er alt for dyrt for USA. Til gengæld er sådan nogle fyre som Nordkoreas diktator Kim Jong-un eller Ruslands leder Vladimir Putin, der til at tale med. Look at he does. He embraces every dictator in sight, and he pokes his finger in the eye of all of our friends. 
Ja, sådan siger modkandidaten, demokraten Joe Biden, om Trumps opførsel i verden. I modsætning til Donald Trump, så har Joe Biden faktisk besøgt Europaparlamentet. Tilbage i 2010 holdt han som vicepræsident en tale i Bruxelles, hvor han sagde sådan her. A strong Europe makes a stronger partner for the United States, and we need strong partners. That is why we will do everything we can to support this great endeavor of yours. Joe Bidens grundopfattelse af Europa virker helt, helt anderledes end Donald Trumps. Men hvor meget betyder det her amerikanske valg egentlig for os her i Europa? Det vil jeg gerne høre en lidt mere kvalificeret analyse af, så derfor greb jeg min telefon og ringede til en mand, der ved en hel masse om forholdet over Atlanten. Hallo? Ja, hej Jeremy, det er Thomas. Jeg mødte Jeremy Shapiro første gang for fire år siden. Faktisk fordi jeg interviewede ham om det valg, der gjorde Trump til præsident. Amerikaneren Shapiro har tidligere arbejdet for Brookings Institution i Washington D.C. Og inden da var han blandt andet toprådgiver om europæiske forhold i det amerikanske udenrigsministerium. Nu om dage bor Jeremy Shapiro i London, hvor han er forskningsleder og ekspert i transatlantiske forhold ved European Council on Foreign Relations. Dengang for fire år siden var Jeremy helt klart rystet over valget af Donald Trump. Og han var en af de få eksperter, der sagde til mig, at Trump ikke ville kunne inddæmmes eller styres af rådgivere, eller af en mere moderat udenrigsminister eller forsvarsminister for eksempel. Det var der ellers mange, der håbede dengang, ikke mindst her i Europa. Men Shapiro troede ikke på det, og han fik jo ret. Donald Trump har trukket USA ud af de internationale aftaler om klima, om Irans atomprogram og om meget, meget andet. Han har råbt og skrædet til NATO-topmøder, og han har smækket straftol på europæiske varer. Kan det blive værre, hvis han bliver genvalgt? Hvor meget ændrer sig, hvis Trump taber? Det var det, jeg vil høre Jeremy Shapiro's tanker om. Hvad betyder det her valg for Europa? Look, obviously, this U.S. election means a great deal to uh, for Europe. It's a it's a sort of fundamental choice between uh, for the American public between uh, a U.S. president that actually believes in the value of alliances and believes particularly in the value of European allies, and one that really, at best, isn't interested in it. At worst, is hostile um, to the idea of allies who depend on the United States for security and and does what and takes advantage of them in his view in trade. And so I would expect um that in a in a Biden administration you would it would begin with uh with the Biden administration essentially reaching out to US traditional allies essentially saying we are back. Um that would definitely include Europe. Um and also returning to the multilateral organizations which Europeans so value and which are a traditional part of US European cooperation, particularly the the World Health Organization and and uh ending some of the blockages that the US has imposed in the World Trade Organization. By contrast, I think a Trump administration would be looking, I think, to restart the trade war with, with Europe that essentially has been in a truce for the last couple of years. Um and particularly would be trying to force Uh, the Europeans to reopen this uh, a broad-based trade negotiation with the U.S. to 
to do uh, to eliminate what the what the Trump administration believes is an unfair trade surplus that particularly Germany has uh, with the U.S. And if the Europeans are unwilling to do that or to conclude that negotiation, I think they're willing to even put at risk the EU and to uh, try to appeal to the Eastern members of the EU to say, you know, we're defending you um, and you have to uh, uh, force your European partners to to um, uh, accede to these trade demands. So I think that, that mean, means that the Trump administration would have a very serious negative effect on the EU and could really could really well end in breaking up. To to which extent do do you think that these four years with Trump uh, has damaged already damaged the relationship between uh, America and, and and the EU? Um, yeah, it's damaged it quite a bit. Um, interestingly, I think in terms of the permanence of that damage, uh, the the most difficult thing for a Biden administration to undo will not be the the trade wars and the various political disputes that they had and the and the threats to NATO, um, but rather this sense um, that the United States is no longer competent, no longer has a political system which is able to deliver a consistent foreign policy over time, and that the Trumpian forces, if you want to call them that, that would continue to exist in the U.S. even under a Biden administration mean that any kind of deal that they make with the United States can't really be counted on because four years later, uh, a a totally different president could come in and undo the whole thing, completely reverse it. And so that's not something that Biden can fix. Uh, and I think it's that in that sense, the relationship has been damaged. But you will see for sure in the first six months, a year of a Biden administration, uh, if it happens, uh, you know, a sort of U.S. European honeymoon where everybody's trying to say we're getting back to the previous uh, era and things are much better. And, and you know, they, they will be. But I think you'll see a a certain caution on the European side. Yeah. So what what Biden could fix uh, if he becomes president is, for instance, sort of, as you said earlier, make uh, the U.S. rejoin multilateral agreements with, uh, with the EU and others. For instance, the Paris Climate yeah. Agreement. Yeah, the Paris Climate Agreement actually is sort of number one on the list, I think. And I think you'll see the U.S. rejoin that probably literally on the first day, maybe the second day of the Biden administration. That's a a very high priority and quite an easy lift, I think, um, for Biden, because, of course, you know, intriguingly, there's actually no advantage to the United States pulling out of the Paris Agreement. It doesn't actually mandate that they do anything. So so it's just pure bloody-mindedness to leave it. You just have to hate climate change. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, for sure. I think... Uh, various of the other international agreements that the that the that the Trump administration has has left will, for sort of a variety of technical and political reasons, be a little bit more difficult and take longer for the Biden administration to get back to. But I think, uh, like the World Health Organization, even even more than the World Trade Organization dispute resolution mechanism, um, the Iran deal. But I think you'll see efforts to sort of um, get back toward all of those things, and maybe more generally, a sense, a sort of overall sense that the United States needs allies, 
that it needs to consult with allies, that it needs to reach agreement with allies, and that these multilateral forums and others are good places to do that. That doesn't mean that they won't have fights about some of the same things that they've had fights in the Trump administration uh, about. But underlying it will be something very different. Underlying it will be this sense that we are in this together, which the Trump administration simply did not have. Can we go back to something you already touched upon in the beginning, uh, which is then what will happen if uh, Trump is re-elected? Uh, what will that mean in the uh, in the EU-US relations? Yeah, I think that that will be very bad for US-EU relations. The President Trump really doesn't like the EU, uh, doesn't believe essentially that it's a plot to get trade to get good trade deals and good economic deals out of the United States, um, has this sort of weird concept of the EU that comes apparently from, uh, he believes that it refused planning permission for his golf course in Ireland, um, which didn't actually happen. That was a, a local Irish government entity, but whatever. Um, and, you know, doesn't really understand how it works and doesn't like it. Um, and, you know, It's not polite for Americans to say so, but you know the EU is an American project. Um, uh, it's 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 more than from an American perspective. The EU is arguably, uh, again, in an impolite way, the most successful American foreign policy that you can name. Um, and uh, it uh, every American president until Trump has recognized that even though the EU could be a pain in the ass and trade negotiations and other things, that the fundamental point that the EU was in American interests, that it was so in American interests that the United States had been instrumental in its creation and had always supported it fundamentally, uh, what is core tenant of the U.S. foreign policy consensus since 1957. But what you're, what you're saying is Trump doesn't understand that. He doesn't accept it, no. Um, and I and what that means is that he um, his administration doesn't see any problem in breaking up the EU. Um, and you know, Russia and China and a bunch of other countries are always trying to exploit fissures in within the EU and trying to break it up in various ways, supporting Brexit campaigns or whatever. Uh, the Americans don't really do that. They occasionally play into EU politics, of course, but but fundamentally they have never tried to break up the EU. And actually the Americans have the most capacity to do it um, because they're, they have such strong bilateral relations with practically every member of the EU. Um, and particularly a lot of countries in the East, but also, also Denmark and countries in the North of Europe believe that they really rely on the United States for their security and for some key aspects of their independence to a degree more than they rely on their European partners. And uh, it's never been an American policy to pit those two things against each other, to come to a country like Denmark and say, you know what, we have, we're, we're making this trade deal with the EU and we're also protecting you on security and you've got to support us on the trade deal or else we won't support you on security. That is something that the Trump administration, I think, is likely to do in the second term. And uh, there's been hints of it with the Iran deal and with the Iran sanctions and hints of it with a few other things. Um, and I think you'll see that they'll be increasingly willing to do it. 
uh, in a second term, and that's a real threat to the integrity of the EU. Oh, so you're saying that, yeah, that it could be a, a strategy for a, a second-term Trump administration to sort of say to European partners, it's it's us or the EU. Yeah, on on very specific uh, policy issues that matter to the Trump administration, particularly around trade. Uh, and the, you, you think about it, that's that the U.S. has a policy goal and it doesn't care about the EU, so it's willing to instrumentalize the future of the EU for that very narrow policy goal of, say, getting a trade deal. Do you think this is maybe the most important American election for Europe uh, we've ever seen? <laughs> no, um, I, I think you're supposed to say yes. I think, you know, on a certain level, the most important election ever is the next one. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, I think that the 1940 election... Uh, where Roosevelt was elected over uh, uh, over what was a very isolationist candidate and then took the country into the European war um, was much more important than this one. Mm. But this Europe. one is important as well. But, yeah, they're all important. Um, uh, and this one is this one is definitely important for sure. Um, but let's not let's let's try to keep some historical perspective on it. That's why, you know, and it's not popular to say things about 1940, but Um, but, you know, um, I think it would be very bad for the EU and very bad for USE relations if Trump were reelected. But it's not the end of the story. There's always four more years. Der er altid fire år mere. Også når det her amerikanske præsidentvalg er overstået. Om det så bliver den ene eller den anden, der vinder pladsen i det hvide hus. Men hvilke fire år? Tak til Jeremy Shapiro, forskningsleder og ekspert i transatlantiske forhold ved European Council on Foreign Relations i London. Den usikkerhed om Amerikas aftaler med resten af verden, som Donald Trump har skabt, den går nok ikke væk lige forløbig, selv ikke hvis Joe Biden bliver præsident. Der vil også være områder, hvor USA stadig vil have sammenstød og uenighed med Europa. Men ingen kan være i tvivl om, at den grundlæggende tone i forholdet mellem USA og EU igen vil blive en helt, helt anden end for eksempel det her. You go to Brussels. I was in Brussels a long time ago, 20 years ago. So beautiful, everything so beautiful. It's like living in a hellhole right now. Der er trods alt meget langt fra en præsident, der beskriver Bruxelles som et hellhole, og så en leder, der siger sådan som Joe Biden gjorde i Europaparlamentet i 2010. Some American politicians and American journalists refer to Washington D.C. as the capital of the free world. But it seems to me that uh, in this great city, which boasts 1,000 years of history and which serves as the capital of Belgium, the home of the European Union and the headquarters for NATO, this city has its own legitimate claim to that title. Er Bruxelles eller Washington den frie verdens hovedstad? Det ved jeg ikke, om man overhovedet kan definere. Men det ville nu være rart, hvis vi igen en dag kunne tale om hinanden på den måde. Og så huske alt det, der er vidunderligt ved Amerika.
God bless America. Tak fordi du lyttede til den her særudgave af Europa-podcasten i anledning af det amerikanske præsidentvalg tirsdag den 3. november. Mine kolleger har også lavet en miniserie på fire afsnit om valget, som du kan finde på Altinget podcast. Og onsdag gør Esben Schøring og andre fra Altinget status over resultatet. Og så vil der selvfølgelig være masser af læsestof om USA's valg og dets betydning for os andre hele ugen på altinget.dk. Pas godt på jer selv alle sammen. Vores podcast er sponsoreret af Fagligt Fællesforbund 3F, men altinget har det fulde ansvar for programmets indhold. Tak for i dag. På genhør i næste uge i Parlamentet, hvor altinget taler om Europa. Parlamentet er sponsoreret af 3F, fordi Danmark fortjener færre journalistik om EU.